This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With All You Are Is Mine to Use, we discuss the recently released Secret of Silent Streets. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast All You Are Is Mine to Use, we discuss the books and other releases for our Invisible Sun games. In this particular segment, we want to talk about the recently released Secrets of Silent Streets book. Uh, the, I guess this is the first release after the Black Cube. It was going to be the second. It was. There was, some, uh, there was a change in the intended order of release. Uh, book M should be releasing very soon. Uh, it was intended to be the first release, uh, and we will talk about it when it actually becomes available to us. Uh, but for production reasons, uh, they moved the secret of, Secrets of Silent Streets up. Uh, Book of M has cards and is just a more complicated product. Uh, and so they were able to accelerate Secrets of Silent Streets, which gives us that book to look at today. Uh, this is a book intended to be setting material for Saturine. So it expands considerably the amount of information available for either a Saturine-based campaign or for just the time in your campaign that you spend in Saturine. Uh, particular attention are uh, urban adventures. So the sorts of, of uh, material you'll need to have what I think is now an entire campaign based on this material set in Saturine. Uh, one could have many, many, many sessions of an Invisible Sun campaign and never actually leave the confines of Saturine uh, or only do so in a, a kind of limited uh, capacity, but having Saturine as the, the true basis of your campaign. Yeah, I think we're about seven or eight sessions in at this point, and my group has finally taken their first steps on the Path of Suns. Uh, my group had a player who took uh, walks the Path of Suns as a forte, mm -hmm. and so I emphasized leaving Saturine, uh, but that's just one way. <laughs> and in fact, the setting material for the rest of the path is way down the line in the Enkidrian, uh, which is part of the second Kickstarter and likely, you know, four or five books away. Um, so yeah, I, I think people will have even more of a pull towards Saturine with the volume of material present in this book supporting uh, campaign development for the city uh, and the sections on the Path of Sun still being only what we had in the Black Cube. Um, so what was already an urban focused setting, I think is going to be even more urban focused uh, in practice over the next couple of years. Well, Saturine does have a lot of stuff going on within it. And I guess the nice thing about that city, even though it is very surreal and can get very strange, it is pretty grounded in comparison to the rest of the actuality. And, and it's a varied environment. So when we say it is, uh, an, it is an urban environment for urban adventures, there's still a lot you can do in the city with the ruined expanses, uh, the uh, unoccupied areas of the city or between the neighborhoods in the city. 
one can still have a lot of what you might want from non-urban adventures sprinkled in to the urban adventures of a Saturine-based campaign. And the book provides support for a wide variety of these sorts of activities. So it may not be as confining as one might think. Uh, it doesn't have to just be uh, always moving from kind of one building to another building. There's a lot of other areas you can, and types of, of areas you can uh, play in. Uh, so you could also even bring in the abstraction where you have half worlds floating out in the nothingness out there. Um, I haven't read through the chapter, uh, about the fade, but that might pull some of that in. So you might have some really out there ideas that you could run with in order to, you know, remain within Saturn, but still be close enough to civilization. Yeah, and, and I would emphasize, neither of us have finished reading the book entirely. Um, I'm just through the fade section, so I can answer that question in just a moment. Well, uh, well. So we're just going to talk about kind of an overview of the book and what we, our experience reading, you know, in my case, roughly like a third of the book so far, uh, though it's it's set up in a rather uniform kind of layout and, and, and format. Uh, so there's still a lot we won't be discussing uh, and, in fact, haven't even read yet uh, in the book. But we wanted to get this to you as quickly as possible since the book is just about to hit shelves. In fact, I've seen reports of it actually on physical shelves. I guess some people pay some shops paid for expedited shipping or something like that. But mm. my physical copy hasn't shown up yet. I'm going off of the uh, PDF. Uh, yeah, so we, we haven't read the whole book, but that doesn't mean we we aren't experts about it. So, you know, we wanted <laughs> to make sure you got our you know, expert opinion in your ears. Right. And it's, it's useful for those who are considering picking up the book. Uh, so like one, one note, for instance, is this is a setting book. It is definitely not a campaign. Uh, and that, not that it has been advertised that way. I just want to make sure that people understand this is a book of resources that you can use to build your campaigns and your adventures and the like. But uh, while there are some uh, adventures, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit how that's set up. Uh, it is not one like overarching Saturnine campaign, like you might have, you know, Curse of Strahd or something in Dungeons and Dragons or something along those lines, or an adventure path in Pathfinder. This is a resource for the setting. Uh, so understand that what you're getting with this book is a setting book. Uh, and that it, it, it is designed to facilitate use as a setting book. So the, the general layout is that various neighborhoods in Saturnine are, uh, are given chapters, and each chapter is set up more or less the same way. They start with a section on what I will call the tone of the neighborhood. They talk about what kind of architecture is present in the neighborhood, what, how you want to describe that neighborhood to your players to make that neighborhood feel distinct from all of the other neighborhoods. So the uh, neighborhood that has a lot of colleges, it emphasizes is a lot of brick buildings that are very firm and solid. And you want to emphasize the sort of old building feel of this particular neighborhood, whereas uh, other neighborhoods uh, might be uh, shabby uh, or uh, you know decaying. And the, this first section of each neighborhood description then is about the tone you want to establish and some, some tips on how to establish that tone through the description of architecture and travel uh, and, and those sorts of activities within each of the neighborhoods. Is that the, the mood and feel? Yes. I forgot which term they used. I called it tone as an overview, but yeah, mood and feel. Yeah, is, I, I was just reviewing it and they have, you know, there's a good, you know, half page overview and then they get into the mood and feel. Yes. 
And the mood and feel is usually a, uh, maybe less than a, a full page spread across a little bit, but something on that order of magnitude, about a page, uh, again, establishing tips for making every neighborhood feel different, which is very useful, especially if you want to have a satirine based campaign. You don't want it all to feel the same. Uh, you want to be able to stay in satirine, but have different uh, tones for different adventures. And this helps you establish the tone of each of the neighborhoods. The second section are a series of locations. Uh, these are these vary uh, from kind of one paragraph, uh, eighth of a page write-ups on brief uh, locations uh, to uh, half or half page, or sometimes maybe even a full page. Um, uh, more detailed write-ups on more interesting locations. Um, and within the description of location can be just about anything. It, it might include uh, NPCs related to that location, but the emphasis will be on the location itself. They are littered with uh, campaign hooks and adventure hooks tied to these different locations. Uh, so don't worry that the discussion of the locations is going to be sort of a dry description of the location. It is very much a, a kind of an operative uh, campaign building description of various locations. So it's more of a shopping list of, of uh, you know, different places you might want to include if you visit a particular neighborhood. Similarly, the third section of each of these neighborhood descriptions are a set of NPCs. Again, the NPCs might imply lo uh, different locations that are not described in detail, but are just mentioned. But the focus of the NPC section will be on memorable uh, elaborated NPCs. One of the characteristics of Invisible Sun that it shares with the Cypher system is that NPCs are very easy to describe. Uh, you don't have to spend an entire page with a stat block uh, for a, an NPC, whether they're high level or low level or what. Uh, often the description of the NPCs will just be a narrative in the body of the text, and then there'll be a side note, or in, the, in an Invisible Sun book, I guess it's a middle column note, uh, that provides their uh, statistics for the game. But having a very limited statistical description of the NPCs frees up uh, the writer to talk about also, you know, to, to spend more time narrating the, the uh, aspects of the NPC rather than having to worry about whether they have this skill or that skill or anything like that. I think uh, if you tune in next week, we might be talking about uh, how you could run those NPCs and give them more flavor and give them abilities that aren't called out specifically in the text, but make sense for the context that they're in. We just might do that. It seems like a great time to have that conversation. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, sometimes these descriptions also include uh, special rules, uh, but not always. Some uh, some neighborhoods just have special characteristics that are worth having particular rules about, uh, but they, they aren't in every neighborhood uh, and so aren't kind of a universal element of the general layout. It's worth then talking, given this layout, like how to use this book. Uh, and people will use the book in different ways. I think uh, just in our our pre-taping conversation. Dave and I might use them a little bit differently, uh, but I think that the central kind of uh, use of the book will be fairly similar. Uh, my intent to use the book is to first give the book a, a full read-through. And um, though I would say this is probably optional uh, in the process of using the book. You, you could use the book without having read every, every page of it because the chapter on the fade does not depend on the chapter on uh, the, the cloisters. Uh, you, you, each chapter is relatively independent, so you could pick and choose 
which neighborhoods you want to read uh, and ignore some entirely or read them out of order, however you want. But I, uh, one way to use the book is to read the whole thing and just take some notes. Uh, what locations stand out to you as being interesting? Uh, it, the, the descriptions are so flavorful and the hooks are so rich that I am confident as you read through the book, you'll be inspired many times to say, ooh, well, I could do this with this location or I really like this location. I want to make sure our party gets there. And so you just take notes on what interests you for uh, campaign development later. As you start planning out your campaign, this game isn't quite as scripted as a lot of others where you're going to sit down as a GM and say, okay, well, in the first session, we'll do this. In the second, we'll do that. You're going to follow with character, you know, the character development of their arcs and such things. But keep that list handy of interesting locations. And so if you need to have a, if, if the, uh, if one of your characters needs to find a particular spell, well, if there was a, a library on your list, like, well, that just happens to be where that spell is said to, to be held or, or a particular NPC might know where to get it, but you have to bargain with her to get the uh, information you need. So that list just allows you to fill in blanks as you are trying to uh, adjust your campaign to the arcs that your players are, are bringing to you. Uh, once you have some idea of which neighborhoods you might want to go and you can make that more targeted list, you you should probably read through the whole section of that neighborhood. Uh, but again, until you think you might be going there, you don't necessarily have to. Uh, and then have a more you know, immediate list, uh, maybe a more detailed list of the locations and NPCs that you uh, definitely want to visit uh, when the party goes to that neighborhood. You want to take enough notes that you don't have to refer back to the book in play. This is definitely not a book that you would have open on your table while you are playing the game. Not because it somehow would spoil the game. It just would slow things down. It's not The game's not intended to run that way. Uh, instead, you know, take your notes. The descriptions of NPCs or special rules or things like that are modest. So those notes are easy to put onto a note card or something along those lines. So uh, once you've consulted the book, you can put it back uh, on your shelf or in the case. Um, and uh, just have your notes with you for the session itself. Uh, whether you, you, you go to all of those locations or NPCs, uh, you can uh, keep track of the NPCs and locations you use, kind of X them out on your note cards or whatever, uh, just so you don't have to, you, you don't revisit them without intending to revisit them. You don't like accidentally draw the same interesting library twice, unless you have a reason that you want to use that same library twice. Uh, but you can just keep these note cards, and if you don't end up going to the, the wizard's tower that you thought you might, you've already got the note card. You just put that away for next time you need a wizard's tower. Uh, but it's really just a toolbox of narrative elements, locations, and NPCs to help you get a sense of, uh, the, uh, of the setting. Oh, and then a very important thing I, f I forgot in the uh, general layout. Each of the neighborhoods ends with a, a kind of a sample story. Uh, this is the closest thing we have so far to uh, example adventures in Invisible Sun. Outside of the like Gen Con adventure. Yeah, outside of the Gen Con adventure. It's not things that are, you know, th this is uh, unlike much of the cube. It actually has examples of what uh, re session long, I think most of these that I've read have been basically session long adventures uh, for a party that spotlight the characteristics of individual neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, so we get a more many examples then of what Monty Cook thinks like these games 
these stories are likely to be. Now, he's not going to tell you what is wrong, like that whatever you're developing is wrong, but I think you get it's some insight into what he thinks the game really facilitates and the types of stories you can tell uh, maybe uniquely, or at least um, the types of stories that are privileged by the Visible Sun setting and system. So going back to uh, how we're going to use this book, I'm going to use it a little differently, I think. Uh, okay. And, and the, the way that I'm going to go about it, I'm going to, so I've read through a couple of the sections that I know my group is interested in. So I read up on the ruined expanses. Um, I'm going to be reading up on the fade. I'm, uh, I'm probably going to be reading through the brick house district. Um, outside of that, I'm just going to, you know, scan through this book and look for anything that, you know, sticks out to me as being interesting. Uh, I'll probably also read through the mood and uh, the intro for each of the chapters just to get an idea of what these 17 districts and the um, the ruined expanses are all about. Uh, just so that when one of the players asks me, hey, is there is there a place where we can go to have like a, a fancy dinner and take out this NPC that we're trying to get some information from. And I, then I can say like, oh, you want to go to the Marquee District. You know, they have the best restaurants. Uh, so that's that's where you take somebody to try and impress them. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I'm going to do for my very basic prep. And then I don't think I'm going to shelve this book. I think I'm just going to let this book sit on my side table. And then when I am scrambling for... Uh, the answer to a question like where can we find this invocation or who might know this piece of information there's a good chance that i'm going to just grab this book open it up to a random page and just look at what i've got do i have a list of npcs how about i just grab one of these npcs and say all right this is the person you're looking for and then those npc descriptions are generally short enough that i can you know scan through it very quickly and then use that as, you know, the starting point for the rest of that story where, you know, however the players are going to interact with it is, you know, where the meat of that game works for me. I think it's a, a great idea um, on how to, if you don't want to read all of it uh, or say all of a particular neighborhood, uh, just read that first section on tone and you notes, know, feel and, I forgot the words they use now. Um, I called it Me tone. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, read that first section, and uh, that will give you a sense of what is likely to follow. And then it also gives you a sense of, of when you might want to read that chapter. If you're like, oh, well, I, here is a, a neighborhood with a feel of opulence, and we and I get a sense that the, the, the characters may want to stage a, a heist in a, of a you know an art show like oh okay well I, since you've read the, just a little half page or page long feel <laughs> sections you'll know okay this neighborhood is where they're where we, there'd likely be art shows uh that could you know where you'd want to do a heist and uh now i should read the chapter and maybe not read it until you have a, a reason to believe you would want that chapter i i think that uh monty cook's philosophy of coming up with intriguing names kind of works here because you can scan through, you can scan through this book and look for stuff that sticks out, like the drowned opera. Like, well, that sounds interesting. What's that all about? Oh, it turns out it's an opera house that's underwater. Well, that sounds even more interesting. Let's let's go ahead and read this whole section about it, and then 
you know, try and drop that in when the, the players need to do, you know, whatever it is. Like, you've got location ideas. So having those interesting names, I think, is a nice shortcut to, you know, coming up with interesting places or people for the, you know, players to interact with. Yeah, and another option would just be to scan through it because the art is just gorgeous. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you could go, ooh, and you find a neat piece of art and you say, okay, now I'll read this. <laughs> uh, and you, because the art will feature NPCs that you might uh, find useful or locations. Um, and they're kind of keyed off of those, the, the, of the same uh, elements that you have the text describing. Uh, so, uh, uh, you could just look at the art and until something catches your eye and say, okay, next time I want to be able to show this to my players. Yeah. Next time I want to drop a hint about the God of the basement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I am uh, continually amazed at how much inspiration I can get out of like two sentences at a time uh, from the, the way that MCG writes setting books in particular. Um, it is very dense with ideas because it is not, uh, there because they don't have to spend a lot of time on, like I said, like stat blocks um, or new rules or things like that. Uh, instead, they could spend you know t- two sentences describing a new location could be the basis for an entire evening's play. Yep. Uh, so, uh, it, it it suggests that you know the limitation of the strategy that I, I suggested at first, a full read through. Once I I will read through all of it, but I'm only going to retain a small portion of what I read because it is so dense. Um, but it, it, I do it because it'll help me know where to go next when I want to focus my attention for development. Um, but it is not, I don't think it's, there may be people far smarter than I who can read that uh, book and say, okay, well now I, I, I will remember all these NPCs and all of these locations. So that if anyone says I need a tobacco store that, oh, well on this page uh, or in this neighborhood, I know exactly, they already talked about exactly a tobacco store. Uh, instead, I think you're right. The focusing on the the feel of each of the neighborhoods is is going to be the best guide, so that I can then go back and reread the chapter to say, ah, now now I know these. In, except for the top ten NPCs that I actually remember all the time, uh, now the you know the the, the B team NPCs that are still really interesting, uh, I can just review those before a session. I'm also looking forward to the time that I do pull the same library twice. That the players will all start thinking, oh, there's some sort of conspiracy going on, and it all revolves around that library because it's so important. The GM keeps using it. Yes, there's something more to it. Like, oh, <laughs> so many hours I have, I've, I would wasted is not the right word, but um, unintentionally devoted <laughs> to considerations of whether an accidental co- coincidence is actually a conspiracy or uh, the hook. In part because I often have players who really are trying to cooperate and and you know, look for hooks and play into the story as opposed to, uh, you know, killing an evening's uh, uh, plans just by saying, yeah, that all sounds very interesting, but I really just want to go to a poetry jam. Uh, well, if your players say that that sort of conspiracy or that sort of coincidence would be cool, then the answer is yes, you had it planned and that's what it is. All along. Yes. <laughs> had it planned all along. Did you have any other reactions to the secrets of Silent Streets? Um, I do. I think we should talk about it in our next show. And then we should also talk more about the secrets of Silent Streets in the future. Because there's yeah. there's so much more setting information. And we've I avoid talking about setting. So eventually we should do that again. 
and this is just an introduction to tell you kind of what's in the book and maybe how to use it. Uh, I anticipate we'll come back to many of these neighborhoods. We've talked about some neighborhoods in segments, only a couple, I think. Only a um, few, yeah. Yeah, but now we can talk about the we can talk about a neighborhood and use material from both the the, the way uh, or is it the path the path the uh, the path and the secret of silent streets could draw across those for all of the information we have on these individual neighborhoods to help support uh, adventures in in those particular locations. I do have to say, after reading through bits and pieces of this book, it is way more dynamic than what we had in the cube for the Saturine section. Like Saturn felt like more of a taxonomy of the different districts. Like here's this district, here's what's in it. Uh, and here are NPCs and things. This, uh, this feels way more fleshed out. It feels way more, it feels way more thorough and in, in a very interesting way. Absolutely. Almost a difference between kind of a neutral sort of travel book that just lists places you can go and instructions on how to get there versus a travel log, which has more of a narrative feel of, uh, here's neat things I found when I visited this city. Yeah, it's super cool. I like it a lot. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.